Today on Hardwired. Well, that's in total keeping with Jesus' own description of his return. What did Jesus say about his return? Watch therefore, Matthew 24, 44. Watch therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you don't expect. Welcome to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wicklier founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If you're looking for some words of hope, encouragement, solid biblical truth, and maybe even a laugh or two, well, that's exactly what Pastor Jeff wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated at times, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always check it out at our website, hardwired.org. In fact, you can find all the programs right there waiting just for you, hardwired.org. But right now, here's Pastor Jeff to tell us more about today's program on Hardwired. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, we're coming to the close of the incredible book, Revelation. I've really enjoyed this series, and I know you have too. We've been getting incredible feedback over it, and I'm so glad to be able to share God's Word with you. And today we're going to be coming to really the way the whole Bible ends. You know, it began in the book of Genesis with a new world. And now we see in the book of Revelation, as the Bible is closed out, that we've got a new world coming again. God is going to create new heavens and a new earth. And we're going to look at that today and we can know this is how this planet is going to end and how life as we know it is going to come to a close. I can't wait to share part two of the message, A New World is Coming. Let's go. Now in the final chapter, chapter 22, John's going to tell us some more about the New Jerusalem. We're going to see some of the dimensions of it and so on and so forth. But let's just begin with some descriptions of where we're going. Now, as I read this, keep in mind, this is where you and I are going. Words matter. And I want all of you to understand, Peter tells us, for instance, where we get the Bible, holy men of old were moved on by the Holy Ghost and wrote what the Holy Ghost moved them to write. It's not like automatic writing, like all of a sudden they came under a trance and they became like a separate wife and just began writing in some weird trance. No, the idea is they were born along like a breeze blows a sailboat. They were born along by the Holy Spirit and wrote what he moved on them to write. Now, the Holy Spirit gave them the words. That's why it says all scripture is given by Theonoustos, God breathed out. Okay? So when you see I'm coming quickly, it's taken from a Greek word that the Holy Spirit gave John. And the Holy Spirit doesn't make mistakes with words. So the word, because these skeptics read this and they go, wait a minute, John wrote that Jesus said, behold, I'm coming quickly. Well, that was 2,000 years ago. Doesn't sound like very quickly to me. Skeptics jump all over this. I've had them come to me with it and say, how do you explain this? Because it's sure not suddenly. 
But the Greek word used here means not only without delay, like we would understand quickly, but by surprise, suddenly, by surprise. The Greek word he uses that we translate quickly or coming soon in the original language can mean two things, immediately or by surprise, suddenly. Well, that's in total keeping with Jesus' own description of his return. What did Jesus say about his return? Watch therefore, Matthew 24, 44. Watch therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you don't expect. So he's not talking about suddenly as in the next few minutes, but he's talking about in an unexpected thief in the night kind of way. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief. That doesn't mean suddenly, it's describing how he comes, secretly, unexpectedly, when you're not looking for it. You know, a thief doesn't send you an email and say, hey, tonight I'm busting into your house and uh, I'll be there about 132 and thought you might want to know. No, no, the whole thing about a thief is they come secretly. They come unexpectedly. They want to take you by surprise. That's the idea. Second Peter 3.10, the day of the Lord will come like a thief suddenly when you're not looking for it, when you're not expecting it. Bang. And you're caught off guard. How'd the fire fall on Sodom? Suddenly. How'd the rain start in Noah's day? Suddenly. And in no time, they were drowning with no way out. So the meaning of quickly or coming soon means unexpectedly, unannounced, unanticipated by the world at large. Verse eight, I, John, am the one who heard and saw all these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said, no, 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 don't worship me. This is an angel saying, I'm, I'm worshipable. I made that up. Don't worship me. I'm just a servant of God. Okay. But worship the one who showed this to me. I'm a servant of God, just like you and your brothers, the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in this book. Say the next three words with me. Worship only God. Verse 10, then he instructed me, do not seal up the prophetic words in this book, John. Now here we go again. For the time is near. Verse 11, let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm. Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Let the one who is righteous continue to live righteously. Let the one who is holy continue to be holy. Now stop a minute. I know what you're thinking was, but God telling people to be wicked? If you're vile, keep on being vile. If you're wicked, keep on being wicked. That's what it says. No, as long as your heart beats, you could possibly be converted. So God would never say to a human being, well, hey, you're in up to your neck in sin, so just go ahead and live the rest of your life in it. God's never going to say that. I'll tell you who will say it. Satan will say it. Oh, I'm in so deep. I've messed up so much. 
God will never forgive me. I might as well sell out to sin. Satan will tell you that. But God will say, it's never too late. You can always repent. All right? So here's what the verse is saying. It's looking into the future after the consummation of all things. When all the events described in the revelation that we've looked at, the 21 judgments are finished. The great white throne is done. Then here's what he's saying. Everything after that will be fixed and unchanging. Because after the great white throne judgment, if you're lost, you're in the lake of fire. After the great white throne judgment, if you're saved, you're in heaven. So here's what it's saying. All who were found to be righteous by the time all those things are done, that's the way they're going to be forever. And if you were wicked by the time all those things are done, you're going to be wicked forever. It's stuck. Things are then fixed. Are you with me? Things are fixed. Once you die, there's no turning back. After the judgment, there's no turning back. It's given unto a man to die once. And after this, the judgment. All right. So after the great white throne, however things are, they're fixed forever. If you're lost, you're lost forever. If you're saved, you're saved forever. Verse 12, look, I'm coming soon. You notice how often this comes up? I'm near, I'm coming soon, coming quickly. Bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. Do you know the Bible tells Christians, we will all give an account. We'll all give an account of our life. The Christian won't give an account for his sin because it's washed away. We will give an account for our works. How did we obey him? How were we with the little things he trusted us with? How did we do as a believer? Were we obedient? Did we seek him? Did we yield to him? Did we submit to him? Did we seek to honor him? Did we take some flack for him? Did we pay a price? Did we crucify our flesh? Did we walk in the spirit? Did we produce love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith, self-control? Did we produce the fruit of the Spirit? How do we do? We're going to answer for that, but not for our sin. Now, in verse 12, when he says, look, I'm coming soon, that's a different Greek word. Real quickly, let me tell you. It's the ancient Greek phrase, entake, entake, which means quickly or suddenly coming to pass and what it means is rapidity of execution after the beginning takes place. The idea is not that the event may occur soon, but when it does occur, it happens with great rapidity. Amen. Verse 14, blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. Amen. Wash their robes is a reference to being washed in the blood of the lamb. Blessed are those who are washed in the blood of the lamb. That's what it's saying. You know why? Because you're going to go through those gates. And that's the only ticket through those gates. You remember Six Flags when they gave you that little stamp on your hand? 
Mark of the Beast. No, they give you that little stamp way back. Maybe I'm dating myself. When I started going to Six Flags, they gave you that little, and you would put it under the black light and it would show. And that's the only way you could get into the ride. We used to try to cheat and smudge it on each other's hand so that there was at least some of it and then try to sneak in. I'm just, I'm, I've repented. <laughs> but we used to try to make that smudge and put it on two or three different people and get in free. Ask me if it worked. No, but we tried. But watch this. That's the idea. You couldn't get on the ride without that little stamp. You can't go through the gates of the city without the blood. Your robes being washed white. The only pathway to righteousness and to gain entryway through the gates into the new Jerusalem is the blood. That's it. That's it. We'll get back to Pastor Jeff in a moment to close out today's program. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to share the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ in a way that gets hardwired into your life. And we trust these messages from Pastor Jeff aren't something you can only listen to and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's a priority to us. And you get to join us in this important mission. Call us at 877-884-3111 to say you're in. Or drop us a line at our website, hardwired.org. Well, here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. And I want you to notice the New Jerusalem has walls. Can I say a border? I'm just throwing it out. Look at verse 15, outside the city. Now catch this, everybody. We're getting a picture here. Outside this beautiful city, water, river of life going down Main Street, trees of life, bringing fruit every month, this beautiful bliss, no more pain, no more sorrow. The glory of God is the light of that place, this incredible city. But there's an outside the city. There's an outside, outside the walls, outside the gates. And look what he says, are the dogs. And then he tells us what he means by that. Sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers. And watch this, all who love a lie. It means to live a lie. All who love to live as a liar. Now, John is moved on by the Holy Ghost here, who's giving him this. So he's giving us just an example of the disqualifying sins. In other words, these people have never been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And these are the sins that condemn them, some of them. Sorcerers, those involved in witchcraft, the occult. Do you know how fast witchcraft is spreading in America? The occult, Wicca, witches occult activity of virtually every kind. It's growing. I wish I brought an article. Maybe I can look it up later. I read something recently how quickly it's spreading because when a society spirals down, it goes into moral freefall and part of the moral freefall always goes into the occult. So he says sorcerers, sexually immoral, 
Those that are living in fornication, adultery, some kind of sexual sin, and have refused to repent. And those that love lies. Boy, Washington's in trouble. <laughs> Amen. So now we, what we see here is you're either in or out. There's no walk in the wall. You're not walking a fence. You're in. You've gone through the gates by way of the blood or you're out. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I'm both the source of David or the root of David, another version says, and the heir to his throne. I'm the bright and morning star. God had promised in the Old Testament that the Messiah would be the seed of David. He would come from the seed line of David. So Christ is identifying himself as the fulfillment of that promise. All right. I love the next verse because it's evangelistic, invitational, and it welcomes everybody who will to come to Christ. Verse 17. I want you to say it with me. This is beautiful. It's almost poetic. Say it with me. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty Come, let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. Three anyones. I'm an anyone. Are you an anyone? And I'm a whosoever. Are you a whosoever? Notice this is the end of the book and it's invitational. It's evangelistic. This is the last chapter of God's Bible. And it's offering this worldwide invitation to whosoever, anyone. Let him come. Let him come. Let him come. That's why Calvinism is not a true doctrine. Because God does not pick some to be saved and some to be lost. That turns God into a monster, in my opinion. Now, I'm going to hear from some Calvinists. I guarantee you when it goes on the radio, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you. Because how can you square the character of God, God of love, God of mercy, God of forgiveness, God of long suffering, God of goodness with a God who would say, well, this little minority of people, I'm choosing to be irresistibly saved and the rest of them, I'm not picking them. So they are irresistibly lost. They have no choice. How can you square that with the God of the Bible? No, you can't. Because here it says, come, come, drink. Anybody. Amen. How many of you are glad you're an anyone? Amen. How many of you are glad you're a whosoever? Whosoever will, let him come. Now next, we got a very sober warning as we come into the last verses. Listen to this warning. I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person, uh-oh, the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share, uh-oh, in the tree of life and in the holy city, they're described in this book. Can I paraphrase this? A revised, wickwire, slanted, paraphrase version? Don't mess 
with God's Bible. Don't mess with it. If you add to it, you're in trouble. If you take away from it, you're in trouble. All the cults have done this. All of them. The Mormons added to the Bible. Book of Mormon, Pearl of Great Price, the various books they produce, and they claim that they are as inspired as the Bible. Huge judgment awaiting that. Jehovah's Witnesses removed words from it and twisted it. They have their own Bible translation, but it's not translation at all. It leaves out key Greek words that totally twist the message. Big judgment coming for that because millions have been deceived by it. See, that's why God doesn't want his word messed with. And if you teach it, you better rightly divide it. Because the teacher, said James, is going to receive many more stripes than the average Christian. That's why I do my very best. I'm not perfect, but I do my very best to rightly divide. Because I'm going to answer to him, how would you tell him about me? How did you tell him about my son? How did you describe Christian living? How did you describe, how did you bring over the scriptures to them? Did you add things to it that weren't there? Did you take things from it because you didn't like it? It scares me in a good way. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And I'm going to say there's modern Bibles so-called translations that have added to it with words not found at all in the original manuscripts at all. I'm going to say it, the Passion Translation. Watch it. So, oh, I love the Passion. Really? Did you know that there's only one author to it, only one so-called translator, just one. And for every other translation, you'll learn this the next weeks to come. I will teach you this. Then in solid translations, there were whole committees of scholars that went over every verse and who masters of the language and translated the Bible as responsibly as they could. Passion only has one translator and he doesn't even really know the languages like he should. And there's all kinds of things added to it. It may read pretty poetically, but if you said to me, should I get a passion translation? I would immediately say, please don't. There's paraphrases. Living Bible, it's a paraphrase. The message, it's a paraphrase. The message, there's a lot of things in the message. I go, nah, I could never use that. Because a paraphrase is not a translation. It's the author putting into it their understanding of the scripture. It's more like prose. It's not somebody taking Hebrew words and Greek words and translating them as, as best they can into another language. It's just, here's what this verse says to me, and they write it down. And the message, a lot of time, goes into places that I would never stand up here and quote it. But if you wanted to give me that over the passion, I would take 10 the messages over the passion. And it's not the only one. There's others out there. They're just awful. They're not translations. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Boy, am I going to get feedback on that too? I can feel it coming. Because there's people, oh, they love the passion. Well, then you don't understand languages. You don't understand translation. And if you did, you wouldn't have it. 
The book of Revelation, the final book of the Bible, ends with a promise and an expectation and a blessing. And here we go. Here's the promise. He who is the faithful witness to all these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Everybody say hallelujah. That's the promise. Now the expectation. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. I'm expecting it based on the promise. And then there's the blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. Thanks for listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. To get a copy of today's message, give us a call at 877-884-3111. Or you can pick it up at our website, hardwired.org. That's 877-884-3111 or the website, hardwired.org. While you're there at the website, you'll find today's message along with all the messages from Pastor Jeff. We know they've been an encouragement to you, so be sure to forward them on to a friend who you think needs to hear today's message or any of the messages there at the website. It might be the very thing they need to be encouraged as well. Again, the website is hardwired.org or call us at 877-884-3111. If you haven't been to the website lately, jump on over there and take a look at all we have for you. One last thing, your partnership with this program through your generous giving is always needed and very appreciated. We know Hardwired is making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. Please take a minute to send your best gift through our website, hardwired.org, or by calling 877-884-3111. Thanks so much for your heart of generosity. We truly do appreciate it. Be sure to join us next time right here on Hardwired.